Joining us now, our good friend, Mr. Al Bat from somewhere near Heartland, Minnesota. Always glad to talk to him. Hey, Al, how's it going today? It's a, a beautiful day out there. So it is. It's going well. These, uh, there are some flies that are very much into biting right now. I'm not sure if they're stable flies, or, but they like to bite the legs. Ouch. So it, it, uh, that's, and, uh, I was at a place called the Willows in the Richland last night with family and going in to eat. And little towns, you always meet somebody that, uh, yeah, an old classmate that played football at Mankato State. And he lives in Ohio, but he'd come home and getting out of my car, and he yells, this town isn't big enough for the two of us. And so it was good to see him. But he said, uh, as we were talking outside, as we tend to do before we go in, we finally had to go in because the flies were uh, biting the legs so bad that we had to travel indoors. But Do you put anything I, on to ever try and keep them away? Because so far I've been lucky. I know I've had garden friends who have said they have those little... I don't know if it's noceums or some kind of gnats or something that's biting their necks and they got terrible marks all over them. And I haven't had that yet. Even my uh, friend Barb Lamson wears one of those beekeeper type hats to prevent them from biting her all over. Do you have any suggestions other than a beekeeper type hat and maybe armor to keep them from biting you or at least not being so attracted to a person? Uh, run. Run. Well, no, I mean, seriously, what just if you got to work running. out in the yard? Because, I mean, sometimes you're gardening and you just have to keep going because, well, you got to get it done. So is there anything yeah. that's kind of worth works? You know, for the gnats, uh, I'm going to say this is going to sound really odd. Uh, a lot of people call them black flies or buffalo gnats, and the ones we get here are, are not those. Uh, and they don't bite me much. They just like to fly in my eyes and my mouth and up my <laughs> nose and everything else they're irritating and i've been watching a lot of uh, softball games and for the players in the field all of them are out there waving their hands in front of their faces because of these gnats but this is going to tie in in a way when where you have bluebirds not so bad here but in southeastern minnesota you get over houston counties and some of those areas they have great problems with uh, these buffalo gnats or black flies bothering the bluebirds, and they will actually drive the bluebirds off the nest. Uh, a friend was telling me about the parabolic eagles. I didn't ask him where or anything else, but he said that he had heard that a parabolic eagles had been driven off the nest by black flies. Aww. I know loons, common loons, have been driven off nests by black flies and i know a lot of people say how could a mother desert you know black flies will just drive you to pretty much anything but what they do uh, friends over in houston county and some of those over around the river and where they have problems with their bluebird boxes what they do is spray just regular vanilla in the boxes really and yep just oh. and it keeps uh, keeps those gnats away so a friend has tried that on black flies. He puts it behind his ears, and I think his wife probably kind of now is smell is this the smell. real vanilla or the because there's some that's that's the fake stuff and then there's the real vanilla. This is the real stuff. Okay, because because the other is just sort of a fake. Um, I don't know if they created it. The, the oh no, get no. the real stuff. Okay. And, and put it on the back of your his, ears, and you'll smell... And he puts it behind his ears because he wears a hat. <laughs> ah. And then he puts this behind his ears because that's where those black flies get him. And he said he they get him so bad he's bleeding and everything else. So he puts it there, and he, it works. 
So uh, maybe try that. I have to admit to everyone, the only thing I've ever found that works at all uh, for me is DEET. Uh, and I don't want to use DEET, so I, I use it very seldom, but it's the only thing that really works. But I have talked to a lot of friends who I trust uh, implicitly that it works on the bluebirds, and uh, several have said it works on them as this vanilla. Plus, you just smell really nice. You smell like so cookies. Pe- <laughs> People are going to follow you down the street. Said so you, you just come from a bakery. You yeah. Come from a bakery. Where's this bakery? It smells really good. So <laughs> that would be the thing. And please, uh, folks, try that and let me know how it works for you. I will keep my fingers crossed because uh, uh, those little, uh, like you say, these little gnats don't uh, bite me. But my mother, they bit her. Uh, mosquitoes didn't bother her much, but these little gnats would just eat her alive. So this was always a tough time of year. For me, it was always the little noceums, those little minute pirate bugs that come later in the year, those little flattened black guys that, oh, they they have an immense bite for this minuscule insect. And to me, they always still feel like a kitchen match when you strike it, oh. and a bit of that match flies off and lands on uh, mm-hmm. on your bare leg or something. That's how these little guys can bite. And I know, uh, I talked to an entomologist, and he said, well, you know, they're not really biting you. They're just seeing if you're edible. Said, <laughs> they're just they taste testing. <laughs> you're yeah. a taste tester. It'd be like me going through the sample store in the grocery <laughs> store, and they give me a little bit of pizza, and I eat that. And I said, but I'm not really biting this pizza. I'm going to wait until I get an actual pizza. No, they're biting me. But um, <laughs> So I, I know it's it's been a really uh, tough time with all these gnats for people to enjoy getting outside and doing things. So maybe vanilla will work, and if nothing else, the world will smell like a better place. So that's something. Here at home, I've had a great cat bird that sits outside my window and I sleep we have the screens open and just screen windows and it's it's in the catbird seat Uh, Red Barber always talked in baseball about somebody being in the catbird seat it was usually when there's and there's two balls or three balls on the batter and no strikes, so the batter was in the catbird's seat because he just uh, he was in charge at that point. Well, this one gets in um, some greenery just outside her bedroom, and it, you know, a great catbird. Its plumage is uh, how, how muted, I guess, is what most people would say, but it has an abundance of personality. And it has this mimicking song. It's a series of short musical and harsh notes, and it collects them into phrases. And a song, I can attest to this, they last 10 minutes, maybe even longer. It seems longer, I know, when they're outside my pre-dawn window. (laughs) And uh, Catbird puts in a long day. Last night I heard it singing long after the sun, sun went down, so I'm sure it gets some naps in during the day. I visited several uh, grocery stores as I I ran some errands here the other day, and I looked for the cheapest grape jelly, and it was absent from every store shelf. Oh, my. They had the more expensive stuff, but the cheap (laughs) stuff was gone because where it had gone, it had gone to feed Orioles. Uh Uh-huh. You know, it was sad for me, but it it was pretty cool to see that that many people are out there enjoying the company of Orioles. Did you break down and buy the more expensive stuff, or did you say, nah? No, I did. Oh, yeah. (laughs) I got, 
I forget what I got, Welch's or Smucker's. We got one of the two that are, and it's fine jelly. I'm sure Welch's and Smucker's are delicious jelly. It's just uh, being a cheap guy, you want to go for the did cheaper you f- stuff. But did you find that the Orioles could discern? Did that? Did you have more, for example, that were attracted to the name no. brand? No. No, no, they don't. <laughs> they don't ask. They just fly in and they eat and they seem to be happy. From uh, previous years when I did a little testing on that, I found that they like the darker jelly. The darker the jelly, the better. And I'm guessing it's sweeter probably would be more sugar in it. I watch chipmunks, and they don't care either what kind of jelly it is. Man, they're up there eating that jelly. And I took some pictures of him, a little uh, chipmunk there. He's got it on his paws and on his face, and he just seemed, seemed like a little kid. You know, it's just so happy there eating the jelly. And I watched this one put sunflower seeds into its mouth. And I don't know how many it shoved in there, just one after another after another. And it uses its cheeks as lunch boxes. So it came off with these big puffy, like Marlon Brando in The Godfather, with these big puffy cheeks on it. I saw a real tiny bird standing out in the green vegetation here in the yard. It was more yellow than bird, and it was a yellow warbler losing yet another game of hide-and-seek. And And a friend, Dave Lewis, who lives in Stowe, Ohio, talked to him one day and he said, oh yeah, the yellow warblers, I always said they sang sweet, 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 I'm so sweet. And he said, it's feet, 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 smell my feet. (laughs) So I'm afraid that's the way I'm going to remember it now, thanks to David. Uh, another bird, petite and blue, perched nearby, and it was the indigo bunting, and it breeds from southeastern Saskatchewan, east to New Brunswick, and south to central Arizona, central Texas, Gulf Coast, and northern Florida. So just so happy to have them here. Uh, Samaras, and uh, I know people pronounce it Samaras, and there's all different ways of pronouncing this, but they're those little wing seeds of maple trees, were covering the driveway. They had been carried by the wind, and as a child I called them whirly birds, helicopters, mm-hmm. or whirly gigs. I'm hearing crickets now by Jiminy uh, rubbing their wings together. Dandelions. Oh, I have a lot of dandelions. But, you know, they serve as an important source of nectar for bees in early spring when most other flowers aren't yet in bloom. Creeping Charlie, also called ground ivy, is uh, out there in great numbers. It's a herbaceous plant that's native to Europe, and it was brought to North America by European settlers, and they used it for uh, medicine of some kind, but also as a ground cover. And it's the bane of many people's yards, because that's one of the most common questions as master gardeners that we get asked, what do we do about that creeping Charlie? And, you know, sometimes you say, well, enjoy the, the, it as a pollinator, Um, because it is kind of hard to get rid of. And it makes a lovely hanging basket. You can, <laughs> so it'd be that perfect <laughs> gift for somebody, you know, that you want to get something. But and then it goes to seed. Real nice. If, if your yeah. hanging basket goes to seed, then they can have it all over their yard, too. And who was Charlie, and why was he creeping? Anyway, that's, I've often wondered <laughs> that. And I've tried to find that out, and nobody, I don't know why that's it's funny. named that. Oh, I strolled by the rhubarb, and one of my parents preferred cutting rhubarb, while the other felt pulling was the best way to go, and they both gave 
pretty good arguments on why you should do it this way or another. But my mother would remind me every time I took any rhubarb to not take more than one-third of the plant, and my dad would nod. So they agreed on that part. But otherwise, the way of harvesting, and I think either way is probably fine. I, I always read you're supposed to just pull it straight from the stock. I don't know if it helps for when it regrows. I don't know the actual scientific reason, but that's what I heard. So whatever. Yeah, it's, um, I love rhubarb. And the boys' kids, we just go break off a stock and walk around chewing on it. Oh, they're so bitter, though. You just ate them. Oh, oh, my yeah. goodness. I tried to Life do that. Was good. Because I have a, a different variety at the, uh, the cabin at the lake, and it's a, a dark red, darker, darker. So I thought, well, it, because it's darker, it must be sweeter, but it wasn't. <laughs> oh, you know, taste buds are different when you're a little little person, I think. Because we could eat uh, crab apples, uh, green gooseberries, uh, rhubarb. We, we relished all those things and just couldn't get enough of it. And now every year I go out and pop in a couple green gooseberries and you get that, uh, oh, that mouth, that bitter face. And you just, I don't know how we ate those, but... <laughs> I watched a turkey vulture taking advantage of the, what would it be, 86,400 second rule, probably, to uh, eat something that's been down on the ground. It was eating, uh, enjoying a roadkill raccoon, and I, I found a pileated woodpecker on the road. Now, pileated can be correctly pronounced pileated or pileated, whichever, it doesn't matter. If anybody gives you any trouble for saying it that way just you know i don't know don't ignore them but just say eh, okay you know you don't have to listen to them if they're going to come down on you for that but sadly i pronounced the handsome woodpecker dead so he'd been hit by a car um and i'm sure you get this as a master gardener but boy the arborvitae is it brown or what oh there's a lot of it and some of my oh. use my my use are also brown a lot of them got uh, damaged by the the drying winds and the, that we had over the winter, and are you having the same issues too? Yeah, I visited some cemeteries, of course, and I uh, spoke in Rapidan on uh, on Memorial Day, and so got to a few uh, cemeteries and graveyards around the area, and yeah, a lot of it. And as you say, it's an example of winter drying, and it can affect many different kinds of evergreens. And then on top of that. In late April, we got real warm, windy days yes. with n just no humidity whatsoever. And that further caused the, the needles to lose moisture. And you can see some of them where the branches have been buried under the snow, that mm -hmm. they stayed green because they weren't exposed to that warm, windy, dry environment. And but they were under, they were frozen down in there, so they couldn't send moisture up to the save the needles on top. And I've heard so many different things, and I'm sure you know better than I do on this, but I, I would say if a tree has 50% or more green needles, it'll probably be okay. Yeah, they're just ugly, and sometimes you can cut some of that back, but, uh, you know, there's some of them that are just too far gone that aren't going to come back. I saw a bunch at a cemetery that had to be 90% brown, Aww. and, you know, they're just not going to make it. Uh, I guess, you know, if the cemetery board is going to have to make a decision to put something else because we, we all love trees even though we're kind of a prairie area we just uh, we look at uh, 
little cemeteries with no trees, and we all kind of go, oh. Well, growing up, I never knew that they were called arborvitae. In fact, I refused to plant them in my yard because I always thought they were cemetery trees. I never knew they were called <laughs> anything else But because everywhere you went, they had these trees. And, of course, the ones in the cemetery, this was before they had hybrids, and they're so tall. I mean, they would be three times taller or four times taller than your house, and who would want that next to your house and make it look like a little miniature, I, I don't know, dollhouse or something. But they have certainly improved <laughs> on varieties of arborvitae that I always called all my life cemetery trees. And I, I was out in Wisconsin somewhere. I was in uh, up in the, working in the Apostle Islands here a week or two ago. And on the way back, I stopped to get gas, and I looked across the road, and there was a small rambler that had arborvitae on each corner, and mm-hmm. they were just towering over the house, <laughs> just as you say. It's just like uh, it was just odd uh, to see it that way did you look for the cemetery stones around the house to see if it was (laughs) a cemetery that's what i was (laughs) i thought boy that's strange but i suppose it's easy to tell people how to find their house well you just get on main there and keep driving do you see these giant arborvitae and we're right under those they're like poles Valerie Phillips of Heartland uh, found a cocoon, and it is either a Luna or a Polyphemus moth, one of our big moths. So, uh, Joel Kloss of uh, he I don't know where Joel's from, uh, but he had a Western Kingbird at the Gaylord Sewage Ponds, and I should know where Joel's from, but I don't. One of the many things. Um, and you sent me a thing, uh, Karen, uh, a text from Rich in Mankato said, How are the new eaglets able to stay hydrated, only eating meat as they do? Especially that was sent last week when we were pre-recorded, when we had all that really super, super hot, hot, hot days that was 100. And I mean, I've kind of wondered the same thing because it was just miserable for us. So imagine them not being able to get their own water. And boy, are they eating well, though. If you go on, uh, it maybe was yesterday, the three eaglets are in there. One has something to eat. Another one comes over and steals it from him yeah. and carries it over. And then the third one comes. They're, you know, if they were really hungry, they'd be woofing that down. But now all of a sudden they're kind of playing a game. And the one, they steal it from him, and he's looking around like, what in the world happened? <laughs> I had it right here, and now it's gone. So it's going around and around the nest this way. So it's kind of almost as if they're playing a game, kind of a keep-away game. And, again, if they were, if there wasn't so much food for them, boy, they would just be woofing that down the minute their beak got around that. But, Rich, yeah, that's a great question. They're just, you know, they're eating fish and um, other um, all rabbit and things once in a while. How do they do that? Well, they get their hydration comes from the foods they consume, and they have a name for that because they have a name for everything, and it's called metabolized water. Oh. So they're they're getting the moisture that they need. We'll see that in some of uh, insect-eating birds. Sometimes will be able to get enough moisture from insects uh, and make it that way. So they're able to do that by uh, by getting this water out of the bodies of prey items. Min Westlin of Hayward uh, said there's some nesting trumpeter swans near there. Greg Jensen of Albert Lee said there's some nesting trumpeter swans there. Tim Scott of Mankato sent me a wonderful article about the silence of the bugs, and uh, we've talked to 
about this. A lot of people have been mentioning we just don't see the insects on our windshields anymore, and that's kind of the way we, uh, as humans here, gauge the number of insects that are out on the roads at night anyway. Tom Wensler of Albert Lee said some sandhill cranes there. They must be nesting. Bobby Forster of Hollandale, uh, northern mockingbird. This is really cool. Tim Poulos found a scissor tail flycatcher near Casota Prairie. Hmm. Uh, so that's um, scissor tail flycatchers are just wondrous birds. I was watching a bunch of them in Oklahoma here recently. Long, long tails you might expect with the name scissor tail. He said uh, he went back and got John Frentz, but they were unable to lo- relocate the bird. But lots of grasshopper sparrows and tick thistles there. So I stilt sandpiper north of Minnesota Lake and uh, went to a gravel pit by Minnesota Lake to see if a blue grosbeak was there, and it's singing uh, up a storm in the trees on the gravel pit side of the road. At the same spot as the scissor-tail flycatcher was spotted, several people saw two western kingbirds. Shirley Keel, uh, she said, we live on Lake Chapeau near Albert Lee, and we have lots of adult geese, but absolutely no babies this year. Do have a reason for that happening? The adults swim in line once in a while. I miss watching those babies. Thank you, uh, Shirley. I went to Alaska with you. Well, I remember you well, Shirley. Um, I told Shirley I would send some goslings that way, her way, and the next morning she called and said, I have goslings oh. here. So it's uh, scary to have that kind of power. No, I just figured it's about they're, they're running late this year, so I just rolled the dice and told her they would be there the next day. And you know, as a, a husband and a father and a grandfather, we're right so seldom that <laughs> when you can do something like this, this will keep me going. This will sustain me for uh, several months just uh, getting this. Barbara Burns says, Hi, Al. I ran across you totally by accident. Well, I'm glad you weren't in your car at the yeah, time, Yeah, exactly. <laughs> She said, I had a robin at my suet feeder and was so startled, and then I heard your comment about the same thing. I live in Raleigh, North Carolina. At my suet feeder, I have seen robin, titmouse, warbling vireo, catbird, brown thrasher, brown-headed nuthatch, cardinal, Carolina chickadee, dove, the dove was sitting atop, not eating, downy woodpecker, bluebird, red-bellied woodpecker, mockingbird, white-breasted nuthatch, and others I've no doubt forgotten. Anyway, it was so nice to find someone to share this with. Addendum, the catbird in the yard had been eating koi. Oh, (laughs) really? I I take it back. Koi pellets. Oh, there we go. Okay, thank you. Because yeah, I, I feed mine little koi pellets, and, and I could see that. I mean, basically, there's some sort of a, I think, fish meal type thing put in a little ball, a little BB type they thing. They are. And then she dropped some of them out there, and the catbird came in and just said, boy, this is great stuff. And I was out to Dick Sonic's place. He lives uh, along the Maple River. And his... I think his cardinals, it, the cardinals were feeding the goldfish and koi in his pond. And at one point they were feeding them Cheerios. Really? So, oh, yeah. I've never tried that. I don't know if they're gluten, they need gluten free because Cheerios <laughs> are gluten free. So, you know, that's a good thing. Yeah, and it was the, the cardinals have such a strong parental instinct that they see these gaping mouths of the goldfish and they just wow. got to have something to stuff in there. So it was pretty cool. 
Uh, Ron Strand of Rapidan asked me for some information about restoring wetlands, and I, I sent him some. Uh, P. Jean Shampoo said, sometimes memories need a prod to come forth. I remember having seen a bird patiently gathering the hairs of her beagle after a bath or tub dump or brush grooming. The picture details are missing, so I don't remember the bird's name, but it was probably a sparrow of some kind. Yeah, it, when I was a boy, uh, Gene, we called them uh, hair sparrows. They were chipping sparrows, and they just loved that sort of thing. Uh, Gunnar Berg of Albert Lee said, for the first time in 30 years, we have lived on the lake. We have been overwhelmed by midges, so many that at night the midge. hum was really quite loud. Now, is that a f- type of frog, midge? Uh, insect. Oh, it's an insect. Okay. Yeah, some years ago there was, uh, oh, gosh, was it a playoff game? And there was a guy by the name of Chamberlain that was pitching for the Yankees, and he had trouble on the mound. He was pretty much covered with these insects oh. from, from <laughs> Lake Erie, and they were midges. And uh, a lot of them blamed his poor performance in that game uh, because of his battle with these midges. Huh. Uh, Gunner said this they have maybe 100 cedar wax wings, and he was wondering why. Uh, his estimate was a lot. He said, I'm going to stick with that. And uh, they'd been eating some of the lilac blossoms earlier, but they were in, he took photos of them eating uh, these midges, so they came in there. He also had a morning warbler that he sent a wonderful photo of uh, to me, and he was wondering how do they find, he said, these midges uh, don't feed as adults, so they only live three to five days, but how do these guys, how do waxwings find them? Well, you know, again, it's, if uh, if you're a waxwing, you're in a flock, so you have a lot of eyes to find things, and then if you're just flying along and you look and you see a bunch of waxwings over there eating or other birds, you say, hey. What are those guys eating? And you'll come over there and say, what are you guys eating? And you watch, and then you uh, partake also. Uh, Bobby Forster of Hollandale said at her grape jelly feeder, she's had uh, Cape May and Tennessee warblers this year. There's a Kentucky warbler that Brian Smith found uh, near New Ulm, and it's still there singing churry, churry, churry. So that's a pretty cool bird. Uh, speaking of cool birds, Darcy Syme of Alden found a red-necked grebe near Albert Lee. And it's the fifth record in the summer for Freeborn County and the first record of nesting because she did get photographic proof that it's an active nest because she had both birds in the pictures. They changed places with eggs visible. So mm. that's wonderful. Ed Fancook of uh, Chatfield asked for the best strategy to assess days birds that have hit windows. So, yeah, boy, they hit the window, and then they're stunned. And The greatest danger to a stunned bird is its vulnerability. An immobilized bird makes easy prey for cats and other predators. So take a shoebox and put a dry washcloth or maybe paper towel on the bottom to give the bird's feet a little traction. Pick up the bird gently, put it in the box, and then place the box indoors somewhere where it's dark and quiet because that calms the bird with speeds recovery. And then in an hour or so, take the box outside, remove the lid. If the bird flies away, feel free to give an imaginary friend a high five. 
I will say I've read so many studies on this that uh, a lot of them are saying 40 to 50 percent of the birds that hit windows die. So, but uh, still, you you know, you got at least a half chance that that bird is going to be okay. And if uh, there's the injured bird, the Wildlife Rehabilitation Center of Minnesota, located in Roseville, is a great help with injured birds, uh, young birds, young animals, and injured animals of any kind. And give them a call. Uh, again, it's the Wildlife Rehabilitation Center of Minnesota, and their number is 651-486-9453. 651-486-9453. Uh, Kevin said, when is the, or asked, when is the best time to see a firefly in Minnesota? I've, I've been seeing them. I typically see them from the second half of May through August. And I probably July is the most excellent of months for viewing lightning bugs because they provide natural fireworks at that time. So maybe I just notice them more then. Okay, so I have to segue because that's a natural segue to this question from our friend John in New Ulm. <coughs> what games do fire, fire, fireflies play? What games do fireflies play? You know, since you're talking about them, I thought I'd be throw this in. Yeah, right now. no, this is perfect. I have no idea what games do fireflies play. Hide and glow seek. Hide and glow seek. I would have never got that in a million years. Hide and, and glow seek. And then he wants to share an observation. He says he saw sure. five crows chasing a raven at a cemetery. He said the raven maybe had a baby crow in its mouth. He wasn't sure. From John in New Alm, he says the pet peeve owner. Yes, he is. <laughs> yeah, both crows and ravens are um, are predators and would certainly take a, a baby of the other ones. So yeah, it's a. But are they similar a, size? Would why would the crows be chasing the raven, and or would they be vice versa, depending on the situation? Ravens are quite a bit larger, and we don't get them. I know his dad lives up north away. In Andover, and, uh, right? Yeah, they're they're further north. I think the farthest. Um, south, I've seen one in Minnesota. Would be maybe oh gosh, up my oh, I'm I'm drawing a blank on that state park. Uh, Chisago up that way is a state park north of the cities. Anyway, I've never seen one down here. Uh, but yeah, they're quite a bit larger than than crows. And crows, as anybody see them, they come in different sizes for genetic reasons. But ravens uh, are usually not seen in uh, flocks. You see, usually see a pair of them. Except if you're watching um, Yellowstone, maybe a film from uh, Yellowstone out there where they'll come down where wolves have a kill. Then a bunch of ravens will come in there to try to eat whatever the uh, wolves have. But, yeah, they would chase them, try and get them out of there, because crows will mob owls and anything they deem a predator. So, actually, if you're a raven, you wouldn't even have to do anything wrong. You oh, could just, just be, be there. They just yeah, they wouldn't want you around. Uh, please join me on the Pelican Breeze. We do a natural cruise on Elberly Lake. Uh, we're doing it on uh, June 10th, which is coming up this Sunday, and also on July 1st, August 12th, and September 2nd. And if anybody would be interested in getting more information, uh, please call 383-7273, 383-7273. It's a fun time. We go and look at birds and trees and everything else, and we're on a big pontoon that holds, I don't know, 60 people or something like that. It has a top over it so we don't... Uh, 
we aren't scalded to death in the sun. So, and again, uh, one is this weekend, this Sunday. With that, I hope everyone will come to the cafe where the food chain is missing a few links. As special as always, the Heimlich maneuver and gravy is considered a beverage. And now, featuring authentic leftovers with less hair in the food and real cup holders, where grease is good and none of the food smells like feet. Well, hardly any. I stopped at the Rent to Own Cafe where a diner told the tale of ordering peach cobbler and being served a perch cobbler instead. He said it was an unpleasant surprise. The special was a pork left over from the day before. It was ham-me-downs. The men seated around the table of infinite knowledge believed you could get through most things in life with humor, kindness, perseverance, naps, and coffee. They realized that bacon made a terrible bookmark and knew that when ordering a hamburger, to always get the deluxe instead of the regular because the cook washed his hands before making the deluxe. Remember, folks, Heartland is well worth driving past, and if I've told you once, I've told you a thousand times. Thanks for listening. Do something wild today. Get out there and look at a bird. Karen, I enjoyed your company very, very much. Thanks for all you do. Thank you, Al. Hey, we'll be back with you next week. Until then, stay cool. Thanks much. All right, bye-bye.